You're listening to Casual Talk Radio, where common sense is still the norm. Whether you're a new or a longtime listener, we appreciate you joining us today. Visit us at casualtalkradio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Merry Christmas to all out there. I'm going to apologize. The air conditioner decided to turn on. And then, of course, that puts some... Uh, Background noise that I'm not too much a fan of. Hopefully it doesn't come through too loud, but I think it does. So, Casual Talk Radio, my name is Leister. I'm your host, and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas here today on the 25th as we wrap up our day. Uh, It was a pretty hectic day for me, at least. Had a lot going on. Fortunately, I was able to kind of get stuff settled, um, get things back on track, and I made a lot of progress. Air conditioner just just dialed, which is died, which is good. I I felt like, you know, I had an interesting experience. I was working on business stuff today because it was important, and I was tired of letting it go by the wayside. And I figured I'd get it out of the way, get it done. And one thing that came to surface here, I was talking to the I had to deal with a bank situation for business. This was a couple of days ago, but today it got me thinking as I was reflecting on what it, what the gal told me and it's a, it's a community bank. So they know you, you will, I don't go there hardly at all, but they remember and they have conversation whole night. So I go in, get the stuff done. It was pretty seamless. And I was rushing all around town because I had to go all clear across like 20 miles away. And I had forgotten, you know, when I was younger, used to be a no brainer for me to drive to different malls. Cause there's malls, at least there used to be, all over the place, you know, whether it was the one up in Oceanside and they're all Westfield. There was one in Oceanside. There was Mission Valley. There was Plaza Manita, uh, Fashion Valley. There's all these malls. And what would happen is when I needed to get, because this is before the era of online shopping for the most part. So I would go down to the mall to go pick up if there was a game I needed or a movie I needed or something I specifically needed and it's urgent, got to get it now, I would go and pick it up. And usually when I'm checking stock, it's like it's it's at one of these malls and usually it's the one farthest away. So like San Marcos, there was, there was a mall south there and I would go there, Escondido. Point is, for me, it was a foregone conclusion to just get in the car, take the drive, go get it done. Here, I had to go 20 miles away, which wasn't fun, mostly because the layout of the freeway is not fun. And I think that's the difference because there, where I used to be, the layout of freeway is a little bit more logical than it is out here. It's not bad, but it's not logical. And so it frustrated me to no end have to do it, but I had to do it get it done. And I've noticed as I've interacted with people and I've been told different stories and I thought I would share because it may either make you laugh, cry or shake your head or some combination of, but what I was told, I happen to notice that there's this area. It it looks visually like it should be aligned towards families, you know, Husband, wife, and kids, and white picket fence, and dogs. There's there dog lovers all over the place. There's cat lovers all over the place. And you would expect family atmosphere. And instead, what it is, there's a very, there's a, I don't even want to describe it as a hatred, but it seems like it's a, a fear. I'll describe it. 
of any sort of relationship. I'm talking friendship otherwise. But yet people want to get in your business, which doesn't make any sense. So with this whole relationship business, what I what I was directly told, straight told, and I'll paraphrase, but I was straight told that allegedly nobody out here is worth dating. There's no dateable people out here. Now, mind you, whether they be male, female, there are generally attractive folks here. There are they lean or I say skew mostly younger, but there are some that are that are like, you know, 50s and so on. But they skew younger because there's a college culture out here. There's a young single professional culture out here. There's not really a bar scene. I mean, there's like pubs, but it's not like a bar. It's not like it's not like any place I've been. And I've been across the nation at this point and it's I've not seen anything like this. It's bizarre. So I took it in stride and I just kind of scoffed at it. But no, this is legit that they do not believe in for whatever reason. They do not believe in dating here. So when I'm looking at the parks and I see it's just single people hanging out at the park and maybe they got their dog or it's single parents. I'll see that every now and then. But I do not see family. And that's unusual for me because of the way the area looks. It's it's there's a lot of the visuals. It, it seems as though it was designed for families. There's a lot of. And when I went to the bank, she even said this is the reason why they're building so many apartments as opposed to single family homes is because they're trying to accommodate single professionals because they've kind of just accepted it. They don't they don't see family out here. There's not a strong military presence, which really surprised me. It's here, but not to the strength that I'm used to from other places. Like in Oklahoma, for example, it has a really strong military presence and so on. So I, when I saw this and I'm hearing, yeah, there's nobody that's dateable. It got me thinking, it's like, okay, male, female, you're, I see attractive people everywhere I turn somewhat, sometimes shockingly so in buildings and out and out and about. And then I see Older folks, and they're generally attractive, which that's unusual. Most don't take care of themselves, but they're generally attractive, but they're single. You know, they're, they've broken up with whoever, divorced with whoever, and they, their kids moved out and they're just single living at home or they're taking care of somebody else's kid or something. It's weird. It's the most bizarre thing. But I was resonating with this whole business of, yeah, nobody's dateable. And it's like, all right, so you got, and as I talked to the banker gal, You've got single professionals, you've got college educated professionals, and you got attractive folks. So money's not a problem because it's certainly not cheap out here. So where at what point do you kind of resonate that you're a little bit high maintenance? Because if you're telling me that you can't find somebody that's worth your time, I'm going to describe that as high maintenance. Because again, if you're looking for the right stuff, the right stuff, right? You're talking again. It, we not, we accept that they're single professionals, which means they have a job. The vast majority of them are either in college or fresh out of. Okay, so does that. The, I would argue almost every single one of them are attractive to my eyes, and I'm pretty damn picky. But I, I don't, it don't matter male, female. I'm, there's a general sense, right? We're not talking people walking around looking like slobs or looking like bums. There, are, there's the oddball, you know, people that look like, you know. Tech Nine or whatever that rapper's name is. Those people look like that. They're just like straight weirdos. You don't have anybody look like Nas X or anything, but you do have the occasional weirdo, but they're rare. There are certainly homeless folks. There's that, but 
generally speaking, we're talking attracting people. So then, okay, if you're telling me that so if it can't be physical attraction or if it is, you're just way too dang picky. Can't be a lack of a job because, again, we accept that there's just single professionals and it dominates the space. So you're not lacking for single people. You're not lacking for people that have their own wealth. They bring their own money to the table. You're not lacking for education. You're not lacking for general attractiveness. Okay, so then what's left? And I was trying to think and boil it down. Again, it's not really a bar scene out here. I don't see a lot of drunks. I don't see a lot of smokers. Every now and then, like if I go to Best Buy, there's I walk by somebody and they're just, it's obvious. And then body odor does seem to be a problem at some points, but not everywhere. It's not all the time. It just seems like certain people, usually larger people. So there is this, but it's not widespread. Okay. So vast majority of people have cars out here. Vast majority of people are in reasonably good shape out here. I, I can't find a single excuse other than some people are just high maintenance and overly picky, probably even more so than myself, which is rather surprising. So when I tried to dig a little bit deeper, there's not a drinking culture that I can see. I certainly don't. Like there were places back, especially when Washington state, you know, you would go down to the circle K or whatnot. And every time you turn around, people are buying beer, they're buying, you know, black and miles, they're buying cigarettes, they're buying all sorts of whatever's lottery tickets up to yin yang, you know, the sinful stuff that they're buying that like crazy out here. Hardly at all. There's a, there's a mark down the road and I, I can count on one hand the amount of times and I've been there quite a few times, the amount of times that I've seen anybody walk in there and buy liquor of any kind or any kind of smokes. It just isn't a thing. Weed, I don't see it. So it's it, that is a cultural shift and maybe that's what it is. They're looking for that quote fun out of people. And instead of looking for what they really should be looking for, which are clean people, who are educated, who work for a living, who are reasonably well attractive and carry themselves well. I also started thinking that perhaps if you got high maintenance over here on the left and high maintenance here on the right, that's really what it is because it's truly opposites attract. And if you guys are basically the same thing, you're not on the same page. Okay, maybe that's what it is. So it's either a lack of the sin culture that some people crave for whatever reason, especially if you're fresh out of high, you know, college or high school, or they're just too alike. You're both high maintenance. And so you can't seem to gel. And this uh, baker, she's new to the area and she observed it right away. And apparently she knew and was told the same thing that I was told, which is it's just the way that people were raised. And it seems like it's just this city. It's not the entire state. There's certain places in the state that have a completely different vibe about them. But people come here because it, the opportunities, there's a lot of single professional job opportunities, fresh college grad job opportunities that are here. That surprised me. I didn't expect that because it's not the kind of area that pay, they don't pay a lot. They don't pay a lot here at all. I make a lot because I demand it. It's my rate. But if you're working W-2, they don't pay a lot out here. It's it's a struggle. And then the prices of things are nuts. You're talking median. I'm going to say the median home prices has got to be 400 grand. So it's not like it's a cheap place to be. And when you're single and you have a single income, I don't even know how some of these people are making it happen. That's when she told me about the whole, you know, apartments and the fact that they're just building apartments, 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 and why they're not doing single family. 
because it's a, you know, it's a singles culture. And so that makes it somewhat cheaper. I don't think it's dramatically cheaper. I would still argue that the rent prices are kind of nuts out here as well. So you might ask, okay, then why are you there? I'm here because my endeavor prefers, and it's, it's not even the person I directly work with. It's a different organization, but they prefer because they suck at bringing people in. They can't do it by appeal. They can't do it by charm. They can't do it by anything else. So they suck at it. And so what they do is if you're a work, if you're a worker as full-time or a contractor, they require that you eventually be there locally for no real reason, because we work from home. It's a stupid thing, but it, it, the thought is it's all about numbers and stats, right? Because the states do their statistics to try to understand, okay, how many tech professionals do you have? You know, that's, that's all it is. So they do that to basically influence the numbers. It's not because of anything else, because they can't entice good quality people. They've struggled to get and keep the best people. So when you hear me rant about the endeavor, that's where that comes from. Well, this whole singles professional culture, it's like, okay, you got a pool of pretty talented people out here and you're not hiring them either. And you're not recruiting them for any, any opportunities. Certainly not. So even the employers are overly picky. Even they are, I'll say metrosexual about the kinds of, you know, how picky they are about this business. So it seems like it's just a cultural norm to be overly picky about every single thing. The last thing, which I thought was, this is where I think it hit a breaking point. There's a, as I describe, S-A-W-F-T soft culture here. And it, it permeates the place. The soft culture is the way I was brought up. And when I say brought up, I don't mean familial. I mean, in the workplace, I was, I was battle hardened because I was working for, in some cases, unscrupulous, frankly, jackasses. And in other places, I worked for in the, the director who I wrote about, and she wasn't having anything for me, but she understood the potential I had. And she hardened and she cultivated and she wrapped it and said, you know, this is what, this is what I see, but you got some stuff to work on. And I had to refine my craft. And it was because of her, I was able to get to understand what I was doing wrong the entire time and refine it. Which after I did that, number one and number two, I stopped dating. Then all of a sudden the money starts going up year over year over year until I hit six figures because I had to, I had to stop and realize what I was doing wasn't going to work if I wanted to succeed in the workplace. Sounds petty, but that's just the truth of it. But the culture she brought, she trained me under is the idea that you can't take stuff personal when you're being held accountable. And that's where I think we've gone south. And that's what I see culturally here. Where I came from, I'm talking the workplace. If you screwed up, you're going to hear about it. And it's not going to be soft. It's not going to be tiptoe. It's not going to be kid gloves. You're going to hear about it. And in some cases, there's going to be some cussing. Now, there's a, there's a line, right? If somebody's at the point of, blatant yelling and screaming in your face and wagging finger like that sales guy. I think I told the story about if you're new, by the way, welcome. I, you may have missed that story. I may tell it again sometime, but if you, that's kind of out of bounds. I'm talking just, okay, I expected you to do this. I gave you a week. You didn't get it done. 
get in my office. That's, that's being held accountable. There's nothing with being held accountable. With my current endeavor, none of these yahoos can support being held accountable because they're not on my, I'm, I'm being honest when I say they're not on my level. They're nowhere close to my level. They never will be close to my level because nobody's ever held them accountable. So as a result, they sit back and collect a check. Well, I find that offensive because if you're sitting back collecting a check, working at 20% and I'm working at 200%, now, yes, I make more money than these guys do. And, you know, but still, I like, I'm competitive in spirit. I like to see everybody step up because if I'm doing and I'm raising the bar, I expect you to be ashamed that I'm putting you to, that I'm embarrassing you like this and where you step up because it can only help everybody. Everybody gets elevated when everybody steps up and it helps in this case, the customer because the customer gets better quality of a product. Instead, I'm telling you, they just do the bare basic minimum, nothing. And many of them collect a six figure check and I find it offensive, which is why I've said, you know, I'm looking for another endeavor to kind of fill the gap and eventually transition away from the current endeavor. And I'm going to leave them in a good spot. They're not going to be left in a lurch. I'm going to clean up what I can. I'm going to document the stuff that wasn't documented before. There's another person that's working essentially under me now, and I'm mentoring that person into what they need to be to be successful. So I'm going to leave them in a good spot, but I can't work in that kind of a culture where you're just so dang sensitive and get butthurt when I hold you accountable because you're not showing up. And instead of saying, you know what, he's holding me accountable, you get offended. So when I say this, this design is terrible, that, that I literally see it's terrible. It goes against every best practice. It goes against the way you're trained. It's damaging to the system. It causes boatloads of tickets. You don't understand. And I got to explain to these people, do you understand this is terrible? This is bad. And then they get offended. And then they complain to the upper management who has to say, well, that's maybe kind of offensive. Doop, doop, doop. And I have to tell them, Holding somebody accountable, that's their problem. It's not mine. Their job is to step up. If I tell you it's a terrible build, it's a terrible build because I have more experience than they do. And I'm telling them, this is what you shouldn't do. And this is why you have an unstable product. Let's fix it. Instead of getting offended because it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about the quality of the work that's not here. That's holding accountable. Nothing I just said is a direct attack on anybody. It is. I'm telling you that the work is garbage and we need to fix it. Can't you pick a different word? Do, do, do. No, because if you don't emphasize it, if you don't add severity to it, if you don't come across as this is a problem, nothing will change. Softening your verbiage is why stuff doesn't change. It's why there's no progress. It's why there's no improvement because you're too busy worrying about how to soften your words and soften the blow on people. And so they don't resonate about the severity. Can you imagine right now? If in your place, let's say there's an active shooter somewhere nearby and they said, well, you may not want to walk down on that second floor because, uh, you know, I mean, something, something might hurt you or something. You're going to just shrug it off. Okay. Maybe he's talking about, you know, some kind of electrical something that might shock me, you know, static. No, you, you have to emphasize, look, there's an active shooter. Do not go to the second floor. Why are you taking, why are you going down there? Get, get back in the room. Stop. You have to emphasize the importance of it. And yes, that's a life or death situation. When you're dealing with money to your customer, as far as you're concerned, it's a life or death situation for them. Because if you don't show up, you're going to be fired. And if you're fired, you're going to be homeless eventually. 
And if you're homeless, you may not make it. It's the same level of need. You have to emphasize the importance of a thing and you have to do it in a very serious manner to get people to understand because they're not going to resonate it if you're too soft. And you're wondering, how does that tie back to what it started? It ties back because I see this everywhere. This attempt to just be sensitive and soft on everybody. It's just everybody has to be calm and you can't use these words. You got to avoid that word. And we're so busy trying to protect people from harm and protect people from emotional damage and protect people from their feelings getting hurt. That what ends up happening is all of these people never learned how to deal with adversity. Number one. Number two, these people are living in a bubble. They don't understand the reality of relationships is in some ways conflict and that conflict is actually healthy in a relationship. You're not supposed to be happy 100% of the time because if you claim to be, you're lying. One of the two of you is, if not both. You're not supposed to be content and happy every single waking minute because it means somebody is compromising themselves. Somebody is giving too much of themselves. You have to have some conflict. The key is to make sure that the conflict does not hit a level where it turns violent or that turns emotionally damaging or that it turns physically harmful. You have to learn to corral it and be able to express it in a way that gets the point across while still minding the other person that you're talking to. So let's talk about job loss. During the pandemic, we had people get laid off from their jobs. Obviously, that effect, income, loss of income affects the ability to put food on the table, the ability to keep a roof over the head, and you got to figure out what to do. It's not going to help either one of you if you're sitting there yelling and screaming about getting another job. It's not going to help either one of you if you're sitting there yelling and screaming about how frustrated you are about getting cut. None of that helps. What does help is to have a budget and say, given that we're now down to a single income, what are we going to let go of? Guess what? We probably don't need that Netflix anymore. We probably don't need that cable anymore. We probably don't need the fastest internet as it is. You're probably going to have to live without this much food that we normally would eat. You're probably going to stop eating out. That's just a conversation. What ends up happening is that people don't want to give up what they've gotten used to in your lifestyle. And so as a family, if you get to the point where you're not willing to give up stuff when something has happened outside of your control, you've already lost the plot. What's happened here is they've been insulated from even getting to that point. So they've just avoided it. They've avoided relationships entirely because they don't want to have those conversations. See, I didn't avoid relationships because I didn't want to have the conversation. I simply stopped dating because I found out that it was financially more beneficial to focus on myself until I got myself straight. It just so happens that it took longer than necessary because of the freaking pandemic. Once the pandemic's passed, okay, now I'm on the rebuild and I'm in a pretty good spot. But at the same time, the other person has to be on the same, they have to be at the same level. Will Smith said something very appropriate. And I know that him and Jada are having all sorts of issues, but he said something that was very appropriate. He said, the mistake that we made was trying to make each other happy. What we should have been doing is you need to go find out what makes you happy. I need to find what makes me happy. Then we come together happy. Had we done that, it probably would have been a better road to get there. And that's absolutely correct. Part of the challenge, especially here, is that they're not willing to do what's necessary to find themselves. Find yourself before you go find somebody else. So then you're so busy rejecting other people 
tells me you haven't found yourself yet. Because if you swear that there's nobody worth dating, there's nobody worth your time, there's nobody worth the relationship, it means you are too busy rejecting. You're too busy turning it down, which means you haven't found yourself yet. And the reason you haven't found yourself yet is that you were conditioned to not accept harsh truths about yourself. And so when people try to tell you to try to help you, you're plugging your ears. You don't want to hear that. So you're not confronting yourself. You're not welcoming critical feedback about these things to be able to correct them when necessary. You're just pointing at somebody else and then putting a rejection out there for Chewbacca. There will be people, I guarantee you, listening to this that say, aren't you doing the same thing? No, because here's the key. For me, my focus is the work. Has been. The reason the focus is on the work is that the work, nobody can criticize me about the work because currently I hold arguably 20 times more experience than anybody walking in there. So because I have the superior level of experience within this topic, they can't touch me. They can't say anything to me. Everything they try to say is irrelevant because they're not subject matter experts. It would be like trying to tell a doctor exactly how to do the suture. You can't especially when you're not a doctor, even if you were a doctor, if you're a junior doctor, you better not try to do that. That's, it's the same thing. On the personal level, nobody's, nobody's there. Nobody's there because again, I had to get myself to that point. I'm not quite there yet, not to my satisfaction. My satisfaction, it simply means I ain't got to worry about nothing. Like the song says, I worry about nothing. I'm not quite there yet. Once I'm there, then I can figure stuff out. That doesn't mean that I haven't reached out to certain people. That doesn't mean I haven't checked in on people. I've checked in on people. I made calls in 2020. I made a round of calls to everybody that I could to just check in on them and make sure they were all right, make sure nothing was wrong and they're still alive. You know, even, even the person who probably hates me the most on this world, I called her too because I was just making sure she was okay. I don't regret calling her. I already knew what she was going to act like because I already knew in her mind, she's still 18 mentally. I already knew that, but it didn't change that I wanted to check in on that. At the same time, I told them, if there's something wrong, if there's an emergency, if there's something you need, all you got to do is call. Now, some of them don't listen. They're still trying to send text messages. I don't have text messages. They won't call. Nobody wants to call on the phone like I told them to do. That's okay. But I, re I received it and I've said it's there. Other than that, there's nothing anybody can say. So it's a different situation. I'm not seeking. But I notice other people are not seeking for a different reason. They're not seeking because they don't think anybody's good enough for them. I don't have that problem. I don't. In mine, I'm not actively seeking because I'm not ready for it. I'm not in the situation where I knew I could do it. And I've told people I've I, in the past, this is a while ago, I've told people, look, it just isn't the right good idea because I'm complicated. I understand that I am a very complicated individual. The person where that would happen, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be where you have to be kind of like me. You want that smoke and you're willing to step up and work for it because it's work. Dealing with me is work. I know this though, but see, for me, it's about the fulfillment you do it because it's fulfilling. You like the challenge of it. My first girlfriend, 
she liked the challenge. She just straight up asked me out because she wasn't, she wanted all that smoke. It's like, I'm not, I'm not playing. Let's just do this. That's what I like because that's how I am. So if I knew that that was there, I'd be open to it. I would just have to keep it at arm's length for a while until I got my situation where I really truly wanted it to be. Doesn't mean I would say no. And I would never describe that somebody is undateable even when I haven't given it a shot. And so coming here was a culture shock for me. And it's rare. It's a culture shock to this. This feeling is rare. I've never felt it before. At given all the different states of the United States I've been in, I've never felt it to this degree. This is a level above, truly a level above of people that walk around, and it's the majority in this case, that walk around truly believing that nobody is dateable, that nobody is worth even trying to date. And so they walk, not even like zombies. There's no attempt for eye contact. The people at the stores, you know, hospitality, sure. I'm talking everyday people at the parks or whatnot. There's no desire to have eye contact on hardly anything at all. And I, I've been guilty of doing that only when I'm on a mission. I got, I got somewhere to go. I'm not trying to check you out or nothing. I'm just going to something in and out like the mall. Other than that, yeah, I make eye contact. I'll wave. I'll do something else here. No. So going to the mall, it's the most bizarre experience you could ever think of. Cause back in what I'm used to back in my day, the mall of every place you could think of, there was eye contact. There was, there were people that would talk. There were people that would engage just because, just because you're there. Why not? Parks and fairs and all this kind of stuff. None of it, none of it here. Why did I tell that story? I told that story because I, it caught me thinking it back, hearing it, multiple people saying it, watching it and experiencing it firsthand when I never had. Having, you know, I've not been in one of those major metros in a long time now, you know, like a, I haven't been in New York in ages. I haven't been in California in ages. I haven't been in Florida in ages. So I haven't been in the major metros, Washington, uh, Seattle. So because of this, it is possible that there's a, a bias in certain places. I know that parts of Western Washington state had something similar, just not to this degree. It wasn't this bad. It was crazy. And the media, would swear that what I'm saying is, yes, that's, you're, you're absolutely correct. And here's why. And it's because of X, Y, Z. And when I look at X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z is a bunch of crap. The truth is just, and this is my summary. The truth is just employers, colleges, everybody, all of these different organizations, the media, the governments, what they've done is they've created bubbles for people. And they've told people that you need to be basically kept safe and you need to be, you know, need to be avoiding harm, avoiding fear, avoiding anger, avoiding all of these negative emotions. And so they've basically castrated anybody who uses straightforward speak. They've alienated a whole population, whole set of the population because of what they're doing. 
And these people are not, they're ill-equipped to deal with the realities of life. I can only imagine, I can only imagine, I'm not wishing it on them. I'm saying I can only imagine what their reaction would be if there was truly a, a terrorist attack of some kind. If there was some sort of, I don't know, anything that's a major scale something. I can only imagine how these people would deal with it. They probably wouldn't. They would probably all commit suicide. That's not the culture we should be celebrating. But that's the culture that's being promoted because they're not being trained to deal with adversity. Instead, they're being trained to welcome diversity, irrespective of the harm in how they're proposing it. Diversity never meant, it never meant that everybody's the same. Diversity never meant that you, you should not be held accountable. Diversity never meant that you have to soften everything you say. Diversity never meant that you have to be treated with kid gloves everywhere you go. There was always this idea that you should, from, from childhood, you should be raised to deal with a skinned knee when you fall off your bike because it's going to happen. That you should be able to deal with a bully when it happens because it's probably most likely going to happen. That you should be able to deal with somebody yelling in your face because that's definitely going to happen. You should be able to know what to do when you don't agree with your teachers because that's probably going to happen. And when you get into the workplace, realizing it's no longer a charity out there and it's even harder than it used to be. And some of that's not taught. Instead, it's the opposite. Instead, it's, no, we have to soften verbiage around. We have to treat people like children. All females are helpless fawns that we cannot have. You can't even raise your voice at because it's just totally offensive, even if you didn't raise your voice at all. Or it just happens to be the nature of who you are. So then we ask people to do what? Groupthink. Because if everybody acts and talks the same exact way, that's a form of groupthink. What you're doing is you're gen making everything generic. Nobody stands out. Nobody is unique in themselves. A lack of uniqueness takes away the very thing that makes us human. If you think of some of the most notable people in history, each and every one of them was unique for some reason. Whether they were unique actors, unique musicians, unique artists, whatever it was, they're unique for something. And they had their own nuances, and in some cases, stuff that people didn't like. But we accepted it because it's part of who they are. And we accepted their individuality. Accepting that individuality is the key of what's missing now. There's no desire to embrace individuality as opposed to, and you might say, no, LGBTQ, whatever, whatever. That's not individuality. That's a group thing because there's a group of people who are promoting that as a narrative. That is not individuality. Individuality is you can do whatever you choose to do as an individual. As long as you're not breaking a law, people leave you alone and in many cases welcome you for it. That's not what we're doing. Instead, everything is around some sort of group think narrative. Fallout of this is that if everybody is conditioned to act and think a certain way, those people are going to fail when that way doesn't work for whatever the situation is. And these people that I'm surrounded with, unfortunately, who for whatever reason have conditioned themselves to believe 
that nobody's worth dating. Nobody is dateable. Not a single, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how well educated you are, doesn't matter how well dressed you are, doesn't matter how attractive you are. None of that matters. You're just simply not dateable. A level of high standards, a level of individuality, you're now going to get into unsustainability because you can't support every single individual person in a, in a space having their own living somewhere. It, it doesn't make sense. You, you have to have that blend of family and single. That's always the way it's been. It's always the way it needs to be because we only have so much space to work with and we all have to work together. So if everybody's basically just in silos, trying to work together and we've conditioned people that that's the way it's supposed to be, at some point people are going to start making mistakes. And because we've siloed, we're not going to notice when that person over there in the corner is having a problem and then decides to pull out some guns, decides to shoot something up. So I don't have a call to action. I decide to share the story because I'm connecting the dots now. I'm connecting the dots and putting it together of why certain things are starting to be more prevalent than what they used to be. And it causes me to wonder who really is to blame? I know the media plays a part. I know the government plays a part, but truly beyond that, parents maybe? Are parents no longer promoting the idea of family and family values? Are, are parents no longer promoting the idea of finding somebody special and the importance of it? I don't know. I'm not saying yay or nay. I'm saying bad things may happen if we don't solve it soon. 